Hello, welcome to Soundwaves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. So, September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month. I personally think that what Awareness Days, Weeks and Months do is really put into focus the specificities of lived experiences. We talked about sarcoma awareness back in Season 2, and hearing George, Chloe and Lewis talk about what that diagnosis had been like for them was illuminating. Not just to hear about the physical symptoms, but why awareness matters, what more needs done, and what helps. And what you learn with awareness, and at the Trust generally, is that no two experiences are alike. In this episode, we're talking to Holly and Thomas. Holly's been involved with the Trust since 2014 and became a volunteer last year, and Thomas came on his first trip last year. It's an interesting conversation to hear about where it all began for them, but also where it's taken them since, the completely different discoveries and different kinds of personal support. I hope you find listening to it as meaningful as I did talking to them both. Hi Holly, hi Thomas, a big thank you for joining us this week. Uh, So we're talking about blood cancer and Blood Cancer Awareness Month. I'd be really interested to hear from each of you about what it means to raise awareness of blood cancer and why you think it's needed. Holly, could I ask you first? Um, I think raising awareness of blood cancer is really important because not many people, especially sort of younger ones, don't really understand the side effects and the symptoms of it. So I think it's important to outline the symptoms of it and get it early before people, before it's too late. Um, and I think it's really important to just like, raise awareness of that and get it out there. So, so what are those kind of symptoms? I think I was going to ask you probably later on, like, um, if you could talk about your diagnosis a little bit. But is there, in general, what kind of things should people be looking out for? Um, so I was 10 when I was diagnosed, and I was at primary school. I had um, a lump in my neck, and it was really swollen gland, and it was visible. And so that was the first symptom. And then I went to school one day, and I fell off a bench that was about 40 centimetres high. My leg, like, it wasn't, it wasn't a big fall, it just fell. My whole leg was black afterwards. And it was just literally looked like I'd been in a car crash or something hideous. You wouldn't have thought I'd just fallen off a bench. And my mum picked me up from school and she was like, that's, that's, not, that's not normal. And I had my blood taken. But I was very lucky. The doctor I had had already diagnosed someone previously in the, that village a few years ago who had exactly the same thing. So she knew the symptoms. And Thomas, what about you? When it comes to raising awareness of blood cancer, what do you think is, why do you think it's needed? Um, what do I think is needed? I think, you know, part of it is about getting it into the public consciousness. So as Holly said, you know, if people are aware of what it is, then we can catch those symptoms earlier. And, you know, that's something um, I was told that it, it's so much of it is about catching it early, you know, and getting that treatment possible. I think also on a personal level, it's important because, you know, in my case, um, a lot of blood cancers are attack your immune system. So you need to be in isolation a lot and... It's a lot of loneliness that comes in that, I think, you know, and it's not just during, it's after and something that people spoke to me and they said, oh, we didn't really know if we could approach you. It was a bit kind of awkward or, you know, we weren't sure where, where you were at. And I think recognising that if you have people in your life who are going through this, you know, that they are perhaps in isolation, you know, during and after, like it's, it's great to just reach out and, and for them to, I guess, to feel like you can understand it a bit more and therefore be a bit more there for the people in your life. And is it okay to ask as well about your diagnosis, Thomas? Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit quite a story. So I, I think um, I was 21 and it was actually on my 21st birthday. I was going to have a party and planning for ages. It was going to be really good. And then I got this like temperature 
fever and I kind of really wanted to like try and make it happen but I uh I've had to call it off and then I had yeah like kind of what I thought were fluy symptoms for a lot for a long time um and I'd got I keep getting colds and flus and things and then I went traveling over summer about three months after these symptoms started and I've been feeling really out of breath and also was losing sight in one of my eyes and then I was walking through a jungle in Laos on this kind of trek and you know I felt I was traveling I thought I'm really going to push myself even though I don't feel very good you know I'm going to challenge myself and I started to run out of breath and I kind of collapsed on the floor in this jungle um, and got kind of supported carried out um, put on a tuk-tuk driven away and yeah so it turned out that you know because my blood was so thick with with leukemia cells it was like 90% of my, my 90% cell count of, of leukemia cells. And so my eye, like the blood couldn't flow through my eyes and all sorts of stuff. And it was kind of a miracle that I'd managed to go through all these crazy places really. But yeah, then, then I came back and then I was told that I'd need to be in isolation. And that's where I was for kind of six months and then another three months in like semi-isolation, but like lockdown basically. Yeah. I think if I take awareness to mean that there's a lack of knowledge or understanding out there about blood cancer and that there are people listening to this conversation who may be living with blood cancer or know someone who is are there things looking back that you wish you knew at the time you were diagnosed uh, that greater awareness might have helped with thomas is there anything you wish you knew yeah well i think the first thing i would say to anyone who's listening with with that in mind is it's easy to feel that I think you're kind of a body, the things are happening to, and you're kind of passive in that treatment's happening. I felt certainly, okay, I'm in this room and all this stuff's happening to me and it's, you know, and it is scary and it's overwhelming. But I think ultimately the process of healing is, is your own. And so much of it is holistic. It's about trusting the process of healing and it's about psychology, you know, it's hard. Because a lot, and I had this, a lot of you just wants to curl up in a ball and close the curtains. And I think that's okay. Um, but I think certainly in my case, things like meditation, eating well and talking about it, you know, these less tangible things are just as important. And, and the treatment is, you know, really important as well. So it's just, yeah, recognizing that, that everything can be important and you can like have some ownership over that process and look after yourself and just keep going. Like it, it's worthwhile and healing happens. Holly, what about you? Is there anything you wish you knew? Um, like I previously mentioned, I was only 10 when I was diagnosed. So at that age, I didn't really understand understand what it was anyway. It was just kind of the big, you know, the big C word, cancer. Like at the age of 10, you just kind of associate it with death. And it was quite a scary thing. But as I sort of went through treatment and people explained it to me, it became more aware, I became more aware of, it is curable I am you know I am not it doesn't define who you are it's just something that you know it will make you stronger at the end and there is light at the end of the tunnel just jumping in what you said about resilient about learning how strong you are you know I think resilience like we're actually incredibly resilient you think about what human beings throughout history have managed to get go through but I think we live in a world where that isn't necessarily we don't realize that but like you said Holly you go through that you realize I am so strong. I have the capacity to go through so much. And I think when you get through that experience, it gives you the, it gives you the courage to fight, fight for what you believe in and try. And, and I think 
so it can be incredibly valuable experience it certainly was in my case so yeah i just wanted to kind of agree with what you're saying holly you know i think it can be an opportunity to to learn about yourself there are, there are certainly positives out of every negative and that's one of the lessons that i've learned from it there's always a positive you might not be able to see it but there is hmm. Holly, you're a volunteer for the Trust now as well. So you've been part of the Trust family for a little while. What's been your experience when it comes to coming on Trust trips, having somewhere to share your stories with and all that comes with that, and be around others who have gone through similar things? What is that like? To me, it's been an absolute sense of freedom from day one where I was on the trips. It's just, it changed my life, to be honest. It brought an absolute sort of light over everything that happened. And... I've made I made friends on the first trip that I still I still talk to and I went on my first trip when I was 13 um, and I've been going with you guys ever since and I became a volunteer pretty much as soon as I became 19 I think it was I did one of the over 18 trips to see what it was like and then I decided it was what, what I wanted to do and I absolutely love I absolutely love helping the people that are going through what what we've all been through and it's sort of a sense of togetherness and there's no judgment. It's just like a family. And I think that's, that's what's important about the trips because you go on them and a lot of the people, they get very nervous about their first trip. I certainly was. And you, you go out at the end and you, you don't want to go home. It's just, you do, you become a family. And I think that's important to highlight. What's it like for you going from, you know, you were a young person on these trips for quite a few years and now you're someone who's a volunteer who's like looking out for young people who come along on those trips. What's that, what's the difference like now? It's different in the sense I can see the people progressing from day one to the end of the trip. So I can see their confidence building, their skills, you know, their skills getting better. Um, and, I, and when you're actually on the trip yourself, you don't realise the impact it has on you. So taking a step back and being the one that's helping, it's, it's nice to be able to see everybody so happy at the end and their confidence completely changed. So it's giving you a chance to like reflect a little bit as well on what the trips sort of do for people when they come on them from Monday to Thursday. Yeah, it certainly is. It's a very emotional thing. It's nice to see them building their own like little groups and friendships. And, and at the end of it, they, you know, they're all really, really good mates. And it's like, I'm, um, I've made some really good friends through it. Um, you spoke to Macy a few, few months back. She's, she's one of my absolute best mates. So it's, it's, and we met on, on a trip a few years ago it's just nice to have someone that you you can talk to that's had exactly the same or something similar and thomas you're coming at this from someone who's been on one trip so far so far being the key phrase we can't wait to get back trips back mm. running again uh what's that process been like for you is there an importance of having people around you who understand what you've been through well like holly said um i think it's feeling like you're not alone and like you're not judged yeah, loneliness is such a big part, whatever you go through, but particularly if you are in isolation, you've had to spend a lot of time in hospital. You know, it's when you first come back out of that experience as a young person, there's so much that goes with being a young person that's about being being around people. And I certainly felt you kind of feel slightly on the periphery, slightly like an observer in the situation. You have this sense of how can I ever be this normal kid again? Like, how can I just, I don't know have those experiences and have fun but actually through these kind of things through Ellen MacArthur and through sailing you're doing something fun you know it's not about the cancer but obviously you're there socially you're there doing something and and you do get to chat about that stuff you know and and I, I don't think that 
necessarily you're judged or people actively judge you but it if it's something that you talk about it becomes a thing it's quite a heavy thing to talk about you know and it's it's kind of either you people would ask me like oh what have you been doing the last few years and i would either ignore it because i don't want to bring it up or i'd bring it up and then have to talk about it a lot whereas when you're with people who are your peers and been through that you kind of don't need to say anything you just know you know and you know and that makes it easier to be compassionate it makes it easier to feel part of a community and I think it's a it's a stepping point yeah, it's a it's a stepping point because you can create a community with people who are your peers and then that that bridges the gap you can then rejoin the community as, as a whole and I think yeah being able to do that through something like sailing where you're working as a team and you're having little social things as well you know that's that was really important for me so the hope is that hearing this conversation helps with that awareness of blood cancer, even if just a little bit. If there's someone listening who's currently experiencing blood cancer, what would you say for them is the best kind of support they can have in place? Thomas, we've talked about support on trust trips and you've talked about like, the isolation you can feel as well and meditation and things like that. But what other things do you think people should make an effort to have in their lives? Therapy I found really useful. Music, there were music courses songwriting courses in the hospital i think that's really was really useful and diet you know i think an awareness that and some of this is you know not necessarily approved or whatever but certainly in my case i found that cutting out sugar cutting out some carbohydrates i also used kind of cbd and other like cannabis related therapies really helped when other stuff wasn't working i know it's not for everyone but i guess it's like like I said, again, feeling that you, it's okay for you to reach out and try different things of dealing with your, dealing with your diagnosis and dealing with your thing. And I think whatever that is, you know, give it a go. And I think belief is so important as well. You know, believing that you can heal. And I think for me, a lot of it is just about that feeling of, I'm not just receiving this, you know. So it's about, as in terms of what we can provide, um, it's providing those options to do other things and um, yeah, to get that, that holistic, more than just treatment that's just about being and still living and wanting to live and wanting to enjoy your life and that joy. I think life emerges spontaneously from joy. And if we can share that joy together rather than just being, you know, really, oh no, this is really sad and scary and whatever, you know, that actually is a really important part of healing. And so you know afterwards in the community but all the way through the process i think that sense of of joy and um of life and that's why we want to survive ultimately we want to be with our we want to be with our friends you want to have fun and um yeah so i think it's it's a broad it's a broad thing and there's lots of things in there i suppose but yeah ultimately the the individual has more than just uh something to be treated as something that is living you know so yeah <laughs> lots of lots of things <laughs> holly what do you think what kind of support helps art and sort of creative things helped me a lot when i was in hospital and um, i just sort of i've always been one to sketch but just sketching and painting and all that i found was really a good way of escapism and it certainly helped me playing games games did music certainly did like thomas said talking to friends making sure you're not you, so you might be in isolation but make sure you don't isolate yourself from socializing online and 
keeping in contact with family and friends that's really important even if it's just you know a simple few messages just making sure you don't feel lonely um just keep going don't give up there's always light that's one thing I always told myself there is always light even in the darkest darkest places it might feel like I just want to I just want to jump in again but um I think from like again talking about the resilience actually I, I realized that that light is actually in the deepest darkness and that we often live our lives on the on the assumption that what's deep down in the in the in death and in the scary bits is is darkness and fear but i think actually if you can penetrate that and you can this is an opportunity to to face that and you know i can't i can't tell you this like but i in a sense having faith that if you 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 are able to look into the darkness of this experience that what is in there is not something monstrous or terrible you know ultimately it's love and it is joy and there is life in death and there is love in the darkness and there's light there as well so you know you don't have to I don't yeah I just I want to if I'm talking to anyone who does have that experience I want to invite them to look into those into those depths I think with the with the possibility that there is light within themselves and that that light can be healing and can heal others as well and at the end of trust trips we all sit around and talk about some memories from the week I thought it'd be nice if we ended this episode by all sharing one of your best bits from your time with the Trust so far. Uh, Holly, do you want to go first? Uh, I've got lots of best bits. Um, (laughs) My best memory is probably 2016, around the island race. Um, I cried afterwards. I was that happy. It was the best experience I've ever had. Uh, Yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. Like The views, the scenery just being free it was just a sense of absolute freedom and it was yeah it was, I absolutely loved it where did we place that year oh I don't, I'm, <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> it's, it's the experience that counts <laughs> Thomas what about yourself it was the moment when I went on the steering wheel for the first time and you're learning to kind of turn it so that the sail catches the wind and there's that moment that you first get it you get it spot on and there's this sudden moment of momentum. You're just carried by the wind. And then you get into that rhythm and that flow and you lose yourself in that. In that. Um, so the first time doing that, I think was really special. Now, Thomas, I heard you've got a podcast, so I need to give you a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, a little plug. Okay. Um, so the podcast uh, I've been making is called Making Tracks Music Podcast. Um, and it's a music podcast about... Um, musical and personal journeys and the stories behind music so I speak to a musician in each episode we play one of their songs we talk about how they wrote the song and why they wrote it and its context in their life and then topics we talked about spirituality and mental health and society and the music industry so yeah just check it out making tracks music podcast and uh yeah thanks for the plug A big thanks to Holly and to Thomas for joining us and talking to us about Blood Cancer Awareness Month and to you two for listening in. I think it's worth pointing out, as Thomas did himself, that when it comes to diets and substances, it's really worth reading up on the connections between them and cancer. Thomas mentioned sugar and cannabis remedies, so we will include links to peer-reviewed scientific research in this podcast description on how sugar and cannabis do and don't affect likelihood of cancer diagnoses and their effects.
Importantly, this is Thomas's story of his experience and his journey through recovery, and we prioritise the space for him to share that, while complementing his advice to look into it for yourself. We've just had the last weekend proper of Round Britain Your Way, but we've seen people take up challenges that last 24 hours or just a few days. There is still time to squeeze in your own wee challenge, and indeed there is time to donate and to support those people who have been pushing themselves since the start of September too. Do go to our website, see what people are up to, show them your support, and if you're tempted, sign up for one last push. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care.